starting a brand new series this week, really excited about it. It's called Hope Floats, and we're going to jump right in. In 2015, Psychology Today, a periodical, published an article by one Dr. Nathan Heflick, and that article was entitled Hope Floats. The article was about a study conducted on the concept of hope versus despair. And it started out with Dr. Heflick giving this definition of hope. Heflick wrote, Hope is the expectation, feeling, and belief that the future will be full of desired, meaningful events and outcomes. He didn't give any reason as to why. Uh, No basis for that optimistic expectation. But the study sought to understand why some people have hope and some don't. He went on to say that hopelessness is a very strong indicator of suicidal behavior and intentions. He wrote, there is arguably no greater threat to hope than the awareness of human mortality. Death represents the obliteration of the self and with it all potential for desired outcomes to occur. The notion that in the end we're all just biological beings destined to wither away and die is, well, not exactly uplifting. Heflick claims in this study that His research indicates that one of the key factors of the presence of hope in a person is, um, I could have guessed this, I think, um, in my background in education. He said it was self-esteem, self-esteem. He writes, these studies all consistently found that thoughts of death, the realization that, oh my goodness, one day I am going to die, that those thoughts reduced hope, but only for individuals who scored low in self-esteem. For people high in self-esteem, thoughts of death did not impact feelings of hope. Now, of course, high self-esteem people are still going to die, uh, but they didn't experience despair over it. Heflick concluded the article this way, and I quote, Death thoughts, the realization that one is going to die, represent a substantive challenge to hope, which is ironic as a lack of hope is predictive of suicidal behavior. That is, hopelessness might not only make people more likely to attempt to die, but thoughts of death in the first place might make people less hopeful. Now, I'm not sure if you caught that, but, but what he's saying there is a, is a vicious kind of downward spiral. Sin is like that in almost every facet, a downward spiral. He's saying feelings of hopelessness contribute to suicidal thoughts, but thoughts of death make people hopeless or less hopeless, less, ho- less hopeful. Death, then, he's saying, thoughts of death leads to hopelessness, and then hopelessness leads to embracing death, suicide, as the answer to the hopelessness. It's like, quote, I am going to die someday. Death depresses me. It makes me feel hopeless. So what do I do? Well, I know. I'll take my own life. 
I'll die. Somebody's confused here. The thing that makes one hopeless is what one embraces as the answer to their hopeless feeling. If there's any listening to my voice right now, if the thought of death produces hopelessness in you, then let me introduce you to life. Embrace life. His name is Jesus Christ. He is life and he is hope. He died and yet he lives. And because he lives, you can live also. He is the foundation for hope. So true hope floats. It rises to the surface in any and every circumstance or trial. Hopelessness, death, fear, uncertainty. There there is certainly no shortage of these in our world right now. And when people are this uncertain and this afraid and insecure, they're vulnerable to, to help from anyone or any entity, especially government, that claims to have answers. Dr. Hefflet claims the answer is a better self-esteem. Now, you're still going to die, but it won't bother you as much. You know, uh, to be honest, I've been through times in my life when the weight of hopelessness kind of presses in on me. Uh, when When it comes to hope, I do not claim to know the answer. What I do claim is that I know the one person who does. I've learned that hope is more than just a positive emotional state or an optimistic expectation. Hope is more than a belief that that better times are ahead for whatever the reason. I've found that hope is a person. His name, as I said, is Jesus Christ. I love Psalm 62.5. I've preached this passage at many funerals. This first verse in verse 5, just a few words, he says, the psalmist says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. If you know God through Jesus Christ, then you know true hope. And if you know the one who is hope, then you can live in that hope with and through him. Let's dig in. I want to start with a biblical, more biblical definition of hope. Holman's Bible Dictionary has this to say. I love this initial paragraph about hope. They defined it this way. Hope is a trustful expectation. Think about that word, a trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promises. Biblical hope, I'm still reading from Holman, biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. This contrasts to the world's definition of hope as, quote, a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Understood in this way, hope can denote either a baseless optimism or a vague yearning after an unattainable good. If hope is to be genuine hope, however, it must be founded on something or someone 
which affords reasonable grounds for confidence in its fulfillment. The Bible bases its hope in God and in his saving acts. Folks, the NIV Bible, which is the one that we most often use here at our church, translates the original language of Hebrew in the Old Testament and the Greek in the New Testament. It translates to the word hope 166 times. So this is a very prominent theme in God's word. And I want to share with you a few of those that I've basically just picked out and selected today. And my hope is that your hope will be informed, it'll be encouraged, and it'll be strengthened. First of all, just a word on the world in which we live. Psalm 39 and verse 6 puts it this way. Man, mankind, is a mere phantom. He goes to and fro, he bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. That's a great question, isn't it? The psalmist is asking himself, what do I look for? I would ask you, what do you look for? What are you looking for in this life? The psalmist says, my hope is in you. And he found that source of true hope. Once you surrender your life, folks, to Jesus Christ. I think we all have been around the block enough to know that that doesn't make things always a bed of roses on this earth, does it? In fact, it puts you at odds with the world. It puts you at odds with your own flesh, and it puts you at odds with the evil one. So trials and difficulties, they still come your way. And what we need to learn in those instances is this. Our next point on my outline is we need to learn to preach the truth of hope to yourself. To preach to yourself. Listen to Psalm 42.11. The psalmist here is doing just that. He's talking to himself and he writes, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will. He looks ahead and he says, I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist looks at the circumstance he's in. It looks at the condition of his soul, and he sees a day ahead, based on the promises of God, that he is going to be in his presence and sing praises to him. Psalm 52.9, the psalmist here says, I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name... I will hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. There, once again, the psalmist looks ahead and sees that time when he'll be in the presence of God with other believers. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. And he puts his hope in the name. I've said this a hundred times here at our church. God's old covenant, Old Testament name, Yahweh, means thus. I will be all that's necessary. His name's a promise. I will be all that is necessary as the occasion arises in your life. Psalm 62, 5. 
I already mentioned this at the beginning. Find rest, O my soul. The psalmist is preaching to himself. Find rest, O my soul, and God alone, my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And then one of my favorites, Lamentation chapter 3 and verse 21. I believe Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, wrote the book of Lamentations. And he says this. Remember, he's preaching to himself. He says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, so I say to myself, he's preaching to himself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Folks, we need to preach the truth to ourselves. We need to preach hope. And he says here, those who seek him, we need to preach it to ourselves, we need to seek him, and we need to preach those truths to our minds and to our hearts. We gotta grab onto the promises of God, to the character of God revealed and preach that hope to ourselves, amen? I hear you out there. Folks, there is nothing, there is really nothing more confusing than a professing believer who is afraid or who is despairing over their circumstances. It just doesn't add up. Now, I am not saying that fear and despair don't or shouldn't affect a believer. They often do. I battle those frequently. What I am saying is, where do you go? Where do you go when those struggles arise within us? It's the Spirit of God that gives us hope, and he does that through the Word of God when we preach it to ourselves. So go to God's revelation and we preach that to ourselves. And if you don't know God's word or if you just ignore the word of God as a professing believer, I'm telling you, you're going to struggle with hope. You're going to struggle with hope in this world. Because oftentimes this world is a desert of hopelessness, even though there's a lot of laughter and smiles. Folks, the Spirit, the next point on my outline is the Spirit gives hope through His Word. Psalm 119, 14. You are my refuge and my shield, the psalmist says. I have put my hope in your Word. Verse 147 of 119. I rise before dawn and I cry for help. When was the last time you and I did that? Rise before dawn to, to just pour our hearts out before the Lord. The psalmist did that. Why? Because he says, I put my hope in your word. Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and it's in his word that I put my hope. Folks, how can we put our hope in a God we know nothing about? He is revealed to us through his word. And he's revealed dynamically by his spirit ministering the truth of that word to us. Your hope is... Your true hope is based on God revealed through his word by his spirit. That's where your hope will come from. And that hope, listen to me now, is like fuel. It's like fuel for life. Hope fuels life. Listen to it. 
Isaiah 40, 30, even, you know, well, even youths grow tired and they grow weary and young men, they stumble and they fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Your hope in God fuels your life. It gives you joy. It gives you a reason to go on with great anticipation of what God is going to do in you and through you and on into his future purpose. Hope not only fuels your life, but hope also sustains it. It sustains us in this difficult, narrow path that we find ourselves on. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, listen to it. Therefore, Paul writes, since we have been justified through faith, that means we've been made right, put in right relationship to God through faith in Christ, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Amen. And we rejoice, what's he say? Read it with me. In the hope of the glory of God. The glory of God. We, we look ahead to that, and, and that's our hope, our future thought, our future anticipation the glory of God, not only so, but we also, listen now, we rejoice in our sufferings. You hear what he's saying? He's told us now, we rejoice in these two things. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and we rejoice in our sufferings? Why? Because, he answers the question, we know that suffering, it produces something. It produces perseverance. Perseverance produces a more Christ-like character. And, of course, character produces, here it is, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. What is that all about? Why is, I mean, hope is like it's going to happen. It's ahead of me in the future. That doesn't disappoint us. Why doesn't it disappoint us? Man, when I'm struggling, I want it now. Well, listen, here's why hope doesn't disappoint us. Because you got something right now. It's because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You have something in the now, his presence. And that presence, that's real in the now, and that guarantees your future hope. And that's pretty cool. God doesn't say, yeah, someday some good things are going to happen between you and me. No, it's now. The Holy Spirit, now you can anticipate the rest to come. Hope does not disappoint. We experience the Spirit now even in our sin-cursed bodies, in which we still do battle with our sinful desires. The Holy Spirit's proof positive. He's a taste of, he's a guarantee of the spiritual realities yet to come in eternal life. Hope sustains. Let me give you one more of those on sustaining. Romans 8, 22 to 26, Paul writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. 
Why is creation groaning? Because of the curse of sin that it's under. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly, here it comes, here's what's ahead, for our full adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. See, this is just my earth suit right here. It's going to die someday, but I got a new body coming. A new body coming, and 1 John 3 says it's going to be just like Jesus' resurrection body. And it's not going to wear out, and it's not going to hurt, and it's not going to get confused. It's going to be the body that we were intended to have, an eternal one. That's our adoption as sons. He, he goes on, but hope that is seen. That's not hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, here's the now, here's the thing you got in the now that, that helps you in anticipating and waiting patiently for the thing that God has for us fulfilled. In the same way, the Spirit, he's the now, helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit helps us. He intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So hope, folks, it sustains us. Now I got one warning before we round this off and close for today. In this aspect of hope, there is the possibility for even those who are believers who know Christ as Savior, that they can be blind to it. The possibility of hope blindness. And we know this because in Ephesians 1 and verse 18, Paul is talking to the Ephesian believers and he's telling them what he's been praying for them. And in verse 18, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He prays that they could see, not with physical eyes, but the eyes of their heart, that they could be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which he, Christ, has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So if Paul is praying diligently that they could, that they could see and realize that hope, it must be that we can certainly lose sight of it. And I think we all understand that. Do you see it? In the midst of this corona confusion, do you see it? Are you filled with hope? Father, give us eyes to see, just like Paul prayed. I pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. How's your, how's your vision, church, in regards to hope? Are you afraid? Are you despairing? Have you lost your job? Have you lost what, what feels like to you your financial security? Maybe you've even lost a loved one, whether to coronavirus or something, some other thing. Do you feel hopeless? Listen, grab God's word. Believe his spirit dwells within you as his child and preach the truth to yourself. And folks, I'm sure that there are some listening to my voice right now. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you're not sure of of how that all works, how you can be 
justified, how you can enter into a right relationship with God. If someone asks you, how do you do that? You wouldn't be able to open God's word and show them. If that's you this morning, listen, church, there are people all around who feel like, you know, whether you lived or died, whether they lived or died, nobody would really care that much either way. Listen, if, if that's you and you're not sure where you stand with Christ and you feel like really people don't care that much about me, listen, that is a lie. That's a lie you're telling yourself. Because Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He loves you and he cares about you. His desire and passion is to forgive your sin and then to do life with you by making your, your very body his temple that he lives within by his spirit. And it's with that relationship comes eternal life. Because really, the long, if, the, if you're lonely and you feel like nobody cares about me, that longing that you have is really a deep expression of your longing for Jesus Christ. Because human beings, no matter who they are, are going to let you down. But Jesus Christ never will. I mean, look at it. This man raised back to life, defeating your grave and my grave. Because he went there to pay the price for your sin and mine. It was your grave. He defeated it. Which means, folks that he has already died for the sinful lies that you are telling yourself in your despair right now. He took them to the grave with him. And he desires to live with you, and he desires for you to live in his presence forever. My counsel to you is give him your life. Give him your life. And if you're a believer that's struggling with hope, or with hopelessness. Just rededicate it. Give it to him, Lord. I've taken it back. I've, I've done some things that have, have basically went my own direction. Give it back to him. Humble yourself and repent. Receive his forgiveness. Invite the presence of his spirit. And then, folks, uh, get out there and find a church full of people who can teach you the hope you have in Christ. And who can live that with you? It was 1982, November 15th, in closing. In November 15th, 1982, it was the funeral of the former Soviet leader, Leonid Brezhnev. Vice President at the time was George H.W. Bush, and he represented the United States at that funeral. The USSR was very powerful then. We were in the midst of the Cold War with them, a nuclear power, an imminent threat. Brezhnev had died. Then Vice President Bush was deeply moved that day by a silent protest that was carried out by Brezhnev's widow, Victoria Brezhnev. She stood motionless by the coffin of her husband until seconds, just seconds before it closed. 
Then, just as the soldiers touched the lid, Brezhnev's wife performed an act of great courage and hope, a gesture that must surely rank as one of the most profound acts of civil disobedience ever committed. There in the heart of communist USSR, she reached down and she made the sign of the cross on her husband's still chest. There in the citadel of secular atheistic power, the wife of the man who had run it all hoped that her husband was wrong. She hoped that there was another life and that that life was best represented by Jesus who died on the cross and that that same Jesus might yet have mercy on her husband. Romans 15, 13 in closing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope floats. Worship team.